Welcome to Burn Built Made episode four. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm here today with my cousin Jeremy, and uh, we have both had some eventful weekends. Um, so I think we're going to cover some of those activities. How are you doing today, Jer? Excellent. Uh, I am doing pretty good. I would I would agree. I think your weekend was quite a bit more eventful than mine, um, and I am very curious to hear about it. Don't be humble. Your weekend was just, you know, just as eventful in different ways, for sure. Yes, yes. I, I, nah. this, is where, this is where editing <laughs> comes in handy. We just take this whole section. Take this whole section out. Um, so, uh, we both had a weekend here, and um, Jeremy's been building a house and uh, running off to New Hampshire for some snowmobile events uh, here in October 14th. Um, and I was down in East Durham, uh, New York, at a at a maker event. So, uh, so set the stage for us on this on this maker event in East Durham. You drove down. Was it uh, maybe Friday afternoon? Yeah. So this was a three night, four day event. Uh, it was a the maker camp, the Catskill Mountain Maker Camp, and um, it was a like a conglomerate of people who make things coming together to do some workshops and presentations and demonstrations at this kind of uh, old-timey Irish-themed resort about an hour south of Albany, New York. Um, so when you say resort, are we talking boutiques and uh, and massages and other things of that nature, or are we talking like a basic hotel type of deal? This was a campground slash motel kind of situation there was a large main lawn with some wedding tents uh, under which activities were happening and uh, and then a bunch of motel buildings as well as some uh, like a mess hall and reception area um, and some outbuildings and, hmm. and beautiful area it certainly had seen its heyday in previous years um, but it's still going strong uh, they had some oddities around the area, around the camp. Like, um, there was a small pond. Next to the pond were two cages, and one appeared to be empty, and the other had peacocks in it. Um, Interesting. You know, things you don't always find at a hotel or motel. Yeah, um, just a little little curiosity item, item here and there. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was, nice. it was a good time. Uh, so, uh, you arrived, you must have checked in or something, and then you immediately start... Uh, making things or or (laughs) yep checked in went to my room uh the room was what you might call budget but it fit the bill sheets were clean and it was easy walking distance to the main field where activities were happening they had like i said a few wedding size uh white tents with um there was a lot of forging underneath one and there was woodwork under the other how did you decide where you were going to be well, there's there's uh, several different presenters that were uh, touted as gonna, they were going to be at this event, and they were they were in various spots underneath these tents practicing their crafts. Uh, there was a wood turner, a couple wood turners. There was a there was a power, power carver, uh, a, a couple people, uh, this young couple who makes uh, a lot of tool handles um, from scratch. Several blacksmiths, a CNC router machine that um, i saw i did i saw a picture of the cnc router machine and that thing has got me seriously intrigued as far as i mean how did they possibly come up with this idea 
of some it looked like a chain driven almost yeah it, it uh it had a couple chains from which the the router hung on its side on a sort of a slanted plane and um it was you know slowly moving around and cutting out shapes from some uh, a hollow core door actually it's cutting out i noticed shapes. that what was our hollow core doors ideal for making guitars out of or what is the story with that well i think it needs a thin material to work well the the cnc uh-huh. the maker made cnc machine um and the way that it was working, it cut out two sides, the front and the back of the guitar, and then a bunch of layered edges to laminate together and, oh, and build okay. up the, the depth of the like guitar. Like the edge or whatever. Right. Because guitars are hollow in the middle, am I correct? Or? Well, acoustic ones are, but um, electric ones normally aren't. I guess it could have theoretically cut out a bunch of solid guitar body shapes. Bodies, yep. Yeah. Tim Sway was the main presenter there for Maker Made, and he glued them up and put a, a guitar neck and strings on it and uh, played a little. Did he actually play the guitar that he, he made? He played a little bit, and I really I got some audio of that, yeah. I'll, well, that's cool that as heck. Huh. Yeah, the, the router thing um, kind of blew my mind when I saw that. So you're building a house right now. Is there anything that you would, you know, you leave for the night and set the CNC cutting something out? Oh, boy, I don't know. Or maybe outside of house building? In my business, as far as furniture goes, I can certainly see uh, uses for that as far as creative shapes for maybe a top of a coffee table or uh, other things. But I don't know as far as the house. I'm, I think I'm not in the trim-making mode yet, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, you want to get some nice crown molding out of... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, something something like that. No, that's, that's pretty sweet. Whoever came up with that was uh, was doing some serious thinking, and I my hat's off to them because that's pretty... That's they, a pretty amazing they machine. They must too, because I'm pretty sure regular CNC machines are thousands and thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah. Um, even though they are becoming a little bit more affordable these days. Right, but to to make those motors move to, together, however you want to say that, that's it's crazy. Right, yeah. they must have it must have been hooked Robots. up to a laptop or something. Robots, man. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Did you see uh, Boston Dynamics released their first commercially available dog robot? I don't. I've never heard with... of. No, I've never heard no. of Boston Dynamics. Oh, okay. So it's big on YouTube. It's this like little four-legged robot and you can put attachments on it so like oh boy uh, it can have an an arm attachment that opens doors it can have a a camera attachment for so you can watch for wherever it goes and it walks kind of like a dog it's pretty creepy (laughs) (laughs) Um, but they're leasing them now to probably the military yeah they have a limited number of units and apparently the lease is around the price of a nice car per month oh boy um but cheaper than a human life right that's true you know also you don't have to come home immediately after work and feed the dog that's true you know it'll just sit and stay forever forever (laughs) which is a win-win really for everybody right don't Don't have have to to keep it it in a cage don't have to walk it i think they're still working on having it change its own battery but you can change (laughs) its battery (laughs) oh that's pretty sweet unfortunately there were none of these at, at maker camp um, yeah. But there was uh, there was a guy and his son 
Uh, I think it was Martin and his son Cole from Possibility Studios in Kingston, New York. Um, had with them a remote-controlled tricycle with a... I think it's normally a Kermit the Frog that rides it, but they had they subbed in a, a skeleton because it's October. Halloween. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of comical wandering around this event and having a small skeleton on a tricycle ride by. You don't know <laughs> who's driving it or where they are. <laughs> yeah. So was this the same, this couldn't have been the same tricycle that I saw two people riding? Maybe, I guess maybe it was a bike with a sidecar or something? Ah, Did someone build that? That, I believe, belonged to Paul Jackman, or at least his name was on it. Uh, That was a, like a BMX bike with a sidecar welded on. Oh, yeah? Um, Very clever and probably a pretty easy fabrication project. Uh, got a lot of use throughout the weekend from different different folks. Just mostly for fun, or could you carry materials, do you think, in the sidecar? I suppose if you were an entrepreneurial spirit and you wanted to um, toss a cooler on there and go sell popsicles, uh, more power to you. Or beer. Or beer, <laughs> yes. Maybe something that sells better. Um, <laughs> uh, throughout the weekend, I'm sure you must have met a lot of people, and I'm curious about... Um, maybe say the top three notable, notable folks. Top three notable folks. I'd like to uh, actually shout out to uh, Jason from Dark State Forge uh, over in Massachusetts. He first got me started on the coal forge, and uh, it was a great mentor and uh, helped me on my way through a twisted S hook. Actually, I've got it right here with me right now for your viewing pleasure. Really? This is a uh, basic, I guess like a, a beginner's project, was this wow. uh, S-hook. And the S-hook has uh, a 360-degree bend in the middle of it, and it comes back around into an S-shape. And then the end of each, the two tips of the S are curled over, yeah. uh, per, I assume for safety. Yes. So this started out as maybe three-eighths or... It's not quite half inch. It's got to be three eighths square, square stock, stock, if you yep. will. Yep, just just really? square stock. And each end was squared off. It was not tapered at all. Right. It did not start as tapered. Um, started off completely square as just a bar. And the steps involved were first you toss it in the fire till it's orange to yellow. Bring it back to the anvil and. But hold on, uh, back up a little bit. Yeah. You toss it in the fire. Are you tossing the whole thing, or are you just starting out with, say, this twisted part or maybe one end? Right, so uh, when it starts out as just a bar, you really have no choice but to put one end in the fire at a time. But gotcha. You could also start with the middle, I suppose, um, and heat up the middle. But it's funny, whatever part of the metal is glowing and hot is the part that will move. And any other parts, you can hammer on as much as you want, and they will stay their shape. Nothing happens to them. Right. Huh. So to make this S-hook, it involves tapering down each end, curling over the tips, curling over the main curves of the S, and then putting the whole thing in the leg vise and using oh, okay. a wrench. To, tw- to get the twist To in give the it its twist, right. Nice. And you can check out pictures on Instagram. That's pretty sweet, man. I foresee a lot of small forged objects in the future of my living situations. Once, yeah. once we get a forge up and running, I think uh, I think it would be pretty nice to have some hand done. Absolutely. And the difference between this and a bottle opener, 
is a squished tab right here right. that you can put underneath the lid of something. Yeah. Um, so, nice. for sure. I can see some uh, some Christmas presents in the future. Yeah, quite possibly. For various people. I also can see that on my house, um, we're going to need about 150 <laughs> twisted uh, iron bolsters for my uh, railing and stairway. So, I suggest that you get, uh, get that forge warming up. Right. Here. I think after this weekend, building possibly a coal forge or maybe a little propane forge is... 110% chance of, having, of that happening. Tell me a little bit about coal versus propane because it seems to me like propane would be way more convenient, but I'm guessing that there's an advantage to coal. Well, I'm certainly not an expert here, um, but it sounds like coal forges are hotter and smellier. <laughs> <laughs> the smell, yeah, I mean the smell. Um is it true that you can get maybe more, maybe larger objects on the coal forge because you don't have to slide them into the small into a small box? That's a good point. I didn't. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yes, I think that would probably be the case. If you're trying to forge anything larger than, say, your average toaster, toaster oven, um, the coal okay. forge might be the way to go. You can't set up a propane forge to be like um, an open. Uh, arrangement like these coal forges are right. right the propane forges has to be enclosed in some way gotcha. granted you could presumably create a trough propane forge that is six feet long with yeah i don't know if right. there's if there's three propane inputs over the course of 24 inches or so you can do the math on that Right, right. You need a bunch of. Uh, but nozzles. then you'd be burning a ton of propane, and probably right. you'd end up with more metal that was hot than you could possibly work all right. at one time. At one, right, at one time, that's true. Unless you're a machine. Right. So possibly an efficiency issue there, but yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the coal forge seems pretty straightforward to build, from the way you've described it here recently. I think it could be pretty straightforward to build. The one caveat that I have is that. Uh, they had a, a pan for sale from a coal forge, and it's just, it's a cast iron cast iron pan, and it must have been an inch and an eighth thick. Wow. And previously, my plan was to find an old cast iron pot and modify that to become mm-hmm. the, the pan of the, of the coal forge, which is where the fire sits. There's a huge tray full of coal that... Um, that surrounds the pan and you just use that to push fresh coal into the fire but uh it was such a thick thick object I, i've never seen cast iron of that size before huh. uh, so that maybe it being that thick helps to stop the heat or heat from transferring into the whole thing or something so it doesn't just melt the because it seems like if it can melt the objects it could melt the pan absolutely right i think that's definitely the case there's a airflow coming up keeping the heat rising but um but you're if you're melting steel in this the entire time there'd definitely be some risk of melting right through the bottom if it wasn't a big cast iron gotcha object there so you had a good time at the at the forges it sounds like yep i think i caught the bug brett mcafee and uh jesse Weda both uh helped me along the way as well as uh jason i can't pronounce his last name forgive me jason the instruction really helped and uh being patient really helped I think I 
had four turns on the forges throughout the weekend, and, and that was just enough to uh, give me a sore wrist and uh, catch the catch the forging bug. Excellent. Um, love to uh, try my hand at some at some more complicated pieces in the future. Right. So um, just on a side note, uh, I know this fellow Jimmy Duresta that we both follow on Instagram has possibly some classes uh, with forging. Is that something you're considering? or I would love to take one of Jimmy's forging classes, honestly. But as a graphic designer, you know, my salary is what it is. I'm not going to complain because, you know, I like to think that I'm kind of in charge of my fate. But uh, here we go. Intro April, knife making A. April 2018 class was uh, close to $1,700 for the weekend. And that's a little bit out of my price range, unfortunately. Jimmy said something on his Making It podcast recently with uh, with Bob and Dave. Um, he said, you know, find something that you're good at and go into debt buying all the equipment and then pay it off. I say it all the time. You want to start a business, get an Instagram account and get a, get a machine. <laughs> Take all your credit cards that have a little bit of money left on them, max them out, buy a machine, and then pay off your debt. That makes sense. It does to an extent. There's an amount of debt that I want to go into. Uh, There's an amount of risk that I'm happy to take. Jimmy's advice is not the advice of everybody (laughs) on the podcast, by the way. (laughs) Uh, Take whatever money you got left, stop eating, and then... Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, it's those risky things that pay off sometimes, for sure. You know, this these classes at Jimmy's might be on the horizon. Hmm. Um, would I don't know? Would you take a knife making class? I I would take a knife making class, but as with you, for different reasons, um, my financial situation at the moment is less than stellar. So um, I just like to yes. jump in here for a second and say that the knife making class promo photos um, it includes a drawing of a knife, uh, some dude holding a knife. Uh, some really nice, some really nice knife scales uh, down into handles. It's it's beautiful. And then there's a ugly cell phone <laughs> potato photo of uh, someone cutting a wet tomato slice. <laughs> I see this. Oh, that's funny. Um, and, and and not only are they cutting it, but it looks like they're almost like smushing it, which is not the greatest advertisement for knife making you know, i must say yeah splooshy tomato slices are not in right now um maybe they'll be in in 2020 i'm not sure it's possible um they may be ahead of the curve there's here. some beautiful there's some beautiful work here for sure i don't know who this dude is um if you can zoom in on his name tag there's a name tag oh there. he's got a name tag it says steve that must be steve pellegrino uh he was actually at the event this weekend making a knife and uh, that makes sense a, a good amount of time on it um, apparently he's kind of a boy wonder in the forging world. I was kind of counting on it being Chris Cash teaching this workshop, Mount Phillip Metalworks, which if you're on Instagram and you're looking up Mount Phillip Metalworks, look up MT underscore Phillip underscore metal underscore works. Um, cause you're not going to find it under Mount. I see that you have had this difficulty before <laughs> <laughs> because otherwise this would this. not have been brought up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. So a, a Jimmy Duresta workshop is probably on your horizon. Um, he, this is probably more in, uh, tools slash blacksmithing. Seems like more appropriate than the knife. I think um, so. If I ever do happen to uh, end up with, say, my parents' property someday, 
10 acres in the country um or a barn in general probably right or yeah or any barn uh with the space i would love to uh convert something or build a little blacksmithing shop and really just go to town Um, i think practice is where it's at um, I don't know if you know Alex Steele. He's a young guy in his mid-20s, came over from England to move to Montana and forge full-time. One of his instructional videos for first-time forging enthusiasts, such as myself, uh, involves making a hundred of the same thing, and it's this little sort of S-hook with a leaf on the end, mm-hmm. and I think, or maybe just a hook with a leaf, but I think that it involves so many different processes that it's a great way to learn all the basics. I remember when I was 13 and I did my first ever craft fair. I worked the entire summer holidays to make stock for the table and it was one of the most educational parts of my blacksmithing career even though I was only two years into it because I was making bottle opener after bottle opener, hook after hook after hook, leaf after leaf after leaf practicing and I was slowly, 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 no! Faster than any way possible, I was really solidifying a good deal of the muscle memory, a good deal of the eye for the work that's gone on to be extremely helpful today. Get them nailed down if you do it over and over and over again. Exactly. Then you have something to give away. That's really my plan right now is to get the setup going and then uh, make sure that all those basics are uh, second nature. Excellent. So if I was to ask you, uh, Patrick at Burn Built, Maybe you don't have necessarily a direction at this point, but what is the passion at Burnbilt? Is it woodworking? Is it artist-type artist sculpture? Is it blacksmith work where you would be making knives, say, or, or things like these S-hooks or things like the bolsters that I was talking about for my stairs? Do you have a thought on that, or is it is it kind of everything? Like you just like making things in general, regardless of what process is being used or maybe a combination of all of them that's a that's a really good question that i wish i had rehearsed beforehand um (laughs) i think that up to this point my making career or passion as it were has been so rounded and diverse that i'll probably continue in the direction of using multiple mediums and uh, combining them into uh, who knows what whether it's Uh, spatial design of the rooms that we're in or object design like the furniture we sit on or um, you know knives and things that we use tools like that I think the one constant that I can promise is that there will always be uh, continual evolving methods that that I'm learning through the burn built name and uh, applications like many different applications that that could be wow words (laughs) words are hard sometimes uh patrick but i know that you'll i know you'll you'll find them Uh, i'm gonna jump back and uh i like to introduce my cousin jeremy he and i have been pretty much inseparable since we uh were tiny tots um (laughs) and tiny tots we were (laughs) yep uh whether it was building um structures out of constructs toys or uh or out on BMX bikes in the dirt. What about blacktop boards? Man, blacktop boards might have been one of the first things we built together. It's possible. Uh, and I mentioned this on a previous podcast. You did. Um, <laughs> can you can you elaborate on blacktop boards? Oh, man. You know... The brand that never took off, by the right, way. Right, right. It should have. If we had been more wise back then, we would have patented it or something. 
I, I recall pieces of plywood with um, old sneakers screwed to the plywood, and then we waxed. I think we waxed the plywood with You're maybe right. like just normal candle wax or something. Yeah, I think it was like literally with candles. <laughs> with candles, like dripping candles onto the boards, and then like trying to slide with the boards on this tapered or sloped cement uh, driveway. That's all I remember. Yeah, back in the day, Jeremy used to live at this place um, that was historically a butcher's shop. Right, uh, the the garage area. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, it would have been perfect for welding because it was lined with metal in the back of the garage, um, which we recently learned was to collect the blood splatter from the butcher's butchering right i think it was a i think they did the butchering in the bottom maybe like the basement or something and then it was a market in the top i don't remember what grandma said about that but anyhow that's kind of but so this garage was a split level uh kind of deal and um if you were in a car you could drive on a horizontal flat plane into the lower half of the garage or on a slanted um upward slope into the upper half and so this was it like a concrete? Yeah, um, I think concrete. A concrete driveway with a nice triangular kind of ledge between the two halves, which was perfect for grinding on if you were a you know ten year old X Games enthusiast, um, <laughs> which we were. Also, really good for jumping RC cars, uh, jumping else? bikes, rollerblades, rollerblades uh, scooters. It's amazing that we didn't get more hurt. In our younger days, than yeah, we I did. don't think we ever. I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember any injuries of any. I fell out of the treehouse once. Yeah, yeah, and slid down the tree and like got burns all over or like scrapes all over me. Yeah, but nothing too crazy. Not I mean. yeah, not really on wheels. We we were pretty safe on wheels when, for the most part. Yep, when we were young. Anyhow, we've evolved uh, quite a bit since then. At least I'd like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> and here we both are. So you've been, uh, let's switch gears a little bit here. You've been building a house. I have. Um, this is a, uh, quite an endeavor. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a learning process. It's definitely made me grow as a person for sure. Uh, I'm learning how to manage on kind of like on my own different groups of people and, and, and managing my time better. You're, uh, doing the general contractor work as well, right? Yes, I am the general contractor on the project, and it is definitely uh, an experience and a very taxing experience and something I would love to do again in the future, but, but it is uh, it's a take, struggle. You going to take any time off between this one and the next one? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> we will definitely have a few years of, of relaxation, of hanging out with friends. Just enjoying the property once it's yeah, done. enjoying the properties is the goal. So it's mid-October right now. When did you break break ground? Um, I think it was mid-April when I submitted the building permit, and then maybe mid-May when we when you and I dropped the first tree, um, and then maybe mid-June by the time the excavating started. Yeah, I think it was mid-June. So I'm not sure how many months that is. Five. Five. Five months. months excavating. And you uh, just got siding on. Yeah, we just uh, the siding is almost finished up. You helped me with, Patrick helped me with the insulation tonight, some of it. Um, we're moving along for sure, and uh, and hoping to be in by, I don't know, April, May next year, something like that. Life comes at you fast. 
It does, man. And I'm looking forward to working on maker projects, if you will, uh, in the garage. Our, this house that, that we're referring to is primarily garage with an attached house. And, and I expect to be doing many a project with Patrick in this garage um, in the years to come. How thick is that slab under the garage? In most places, the slab under the garage part is about seven inches of reinforced concrete. Okay, so maybe uh, maybe uh, an anvil, but not a power hammer. Probably not a power hammer okay. in the garage. All right, well, you know, maybe you, in a, like a lean-to out back or something. <laughs> yeah, I would be yeah. I would be down with a power hammer. That would be pretty sweet. Let's uh, let's start with the anvil and go from there, huh? I would agree. Yep. <clears throat> Anvil and in uh, your coal forge, Andrew Alexander. You want to send us a miniature power hammer? Oh <clears throat> boy, I'm not sure who that is, but that <laughs> sounds pretty cool. Yeah, he's never gonna hear this. Don't worry. Um. <laughs> yeah, so that's 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 my life uh, at the moment. Every every moment, pretty much. Um, but bringing it back to your experience at the Maker Camp, I'm curious to wrap up that weekend. I know overall, I I think you had a good time. Pretty much, and I think there were definitely a few things that you feel could have been improved. Is that yeah? Is that accurate? Um, as a self-proclaimed maker, or uh, as uh, Jesse would have said, a professional DIYer, I do a lot of my projects solo, and a lot of my time is spent um, alone in the shop when I'm not at my nine-to-five office job, and. Um, I think this was definitely a stretch from that to be around a social setting 24-7 for three or four days here. That was a challenge, um, and I rectified that by spending some time editing photos that I had taken at the event um, and just like getting a little more me time and a little less people time in. It must have been kind of a different experience to meet these people that you have, and some of them that I have, followed on on Instagram for so long and you feel like you almost get to feel like you know the person when you've never met them. Oh, absolutely. It was uh it was definitely kind of strange at first. Um I think one of the most humanizing aspects of the whole weekend at Maker Camp was doing one-on-one work with Brett McAfee and Jesse Ueda. They were great instructors and it was it really brought things back down to earth from a status of minor internet celebrity uh, back down to these are just people, awesome people. And I definitely, uh, I definitely hemmed and hawed over uh, taking up Jimmy Duresta's time this weekend. I know he was big in into the camp and uh, very involved in in the planning and and um, the equipment, especially. Um, but it was a little intimidating knowing how busy a guy he is and. Uh, and feeling like I could go sidle up to him and talk to him, but it was it was nice to be able to finally sidle up to him after uh, everyone had left, pretty much, and uh, just uh, you know shake hands and touch on some shared interests. I'm I'm really curious about the revitalization of East Durham, especially as a maker space, and uh, how Jimmy wants to go about doing that, and how other makers might have ideas about about making the town a little more accommodating and or attractive to. Uh, perspective makers or people who might want to live there, spend more time there. Um, and I think the Blackthorn Resort is a good um, interim option for people who need to stay there uh, need a space to uh, to crash. But small town and uh, very unique in its, its Irish theme and heritage. Um, I'd be curious to see 
what that town can turn into, especially with the closest home improvement stores an hour away in Albany, New York. Oh, boy. Is that the case? Uh, the first Instagram story that I saw from Jimmy, it was of a, uh, a extendable arm grabber wandering around Home Depot or Lowe's, probably in Albany, New York, uh, grabbing anything he could possibly fit those tongs around, probably in the middle of, well, I don't know, they probably don't stay open all night, but... Um, 10.30, something like that, 11 o'clock. When was this? Like, are we talking a year ago? Are we talking... This was uh, March 2017. Two and a half years ago. And uh, Yeah, it was a little bit ago. I had no idea who this guy was. I just found his his Instagram story hilarious. And I remember the month because I messaged him and said, that was great. I hope you do more videos like this. And then <laughs> went back and saw that I had messaged him and deleted it. <laughs> oh, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here we are, 45 minutes in. Big shout out to Nick Cosby for listening this long, man. You, uh, you're a rock star. <laughs> Nick. How's your thumb, man? Sure. Let me tell you. The hammer type staple gun uh, is not a precise instrument. I was attempting to hold a piece of insulation tonight as well as staple it very near my thumb and I whacked my thumb something decent and uh, I regret that. I regret it deeply <laughs> because now my whole hand and my whole arm hurts. You regret it as deeply as the staple went into your thumb? Right, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> At least that's the way it feels. I have checked it over, and there is no staple in my thumb. All right, we're staple-free. Staple-free at the moment, but would not recommend that tool for, for installation of insulation, Ooh. if you will. Well, we got another Ooh. M&M on our hands here. <laughs> <laughs> but you're you're making some good headway on the insulation. That's good. Right. We are. Yeah, we made some good headway tonight. I was actually quite pleased with how much progress we made. Um, and in the coming two weeks or so, two and a half weeks, I'd like to get the rest of it done. Because the sheetrock sheet and taping guy is kind of on my case about um, getting moving. So, And, I mean, it's getting to be winter. I'd like to get the place closed up. So we're ready to, ready to do some trim work. Nice. Yeah. Man. And uh, I live up in Vermont, but here, we're, we're here in Lake George. Um, and I love visiting home twice a month because I get to see these big leaps in progress at Jeremy's house. So, you know, I jump in and help for an hour at a time and uh, and then leave for two weeks and, and, right, and magic I, happens, man. And I slave away for two weeks and then Rick comes home and thinks magic has happened. Yep, yep. Turns out it's not magic. It's all sweat equity. It is. There's a lot of sweat equity, definitely. But uh, in closing, your final thoughts on switching gears here again as we... My, thought, as my we final have. thoughts are uh, Sally the half-tailed cat here is... Um, is purring away and it sounds like she's ready for bedtime um yeah we are closing in on the the witching hour here because it's october but you know midnight's not far away and uh it's another day tomorrow so jeremy yes, thank you for uh joining me on this episode of uh the burn built made podcast and um and i hope we can do this again sometime absolutely i have uh i've enjoyed our conversation and i hope that uh your two listeners uh, enjoy it also well you're one of them so you can you can factor that in <laughs> so i hope that i hope that nick enjoys <laughs> enjoys our conversation also oh man um there will be i i bet after this weekend and you know getting your name out there and you're gonna have more interest 
which is good. Yeah, you never know. I mean, I, I'm really hoping to uh, I'm hoping to crowdsource a lot of this um, this planning for the next year's maker maker uh, camp. I hope people can jump in and uh, and do their part and make it an event that will really make memories for a long time, connections and memories. And uh, uh, and I'm really looking forward to you finishing your house so that we can flip that switch and see you make some stuff that's not um, you know framing. I'd I'd love to see the creativity flow from uh, Jeremy over here. Absolutely. Um, I'm looking forward to working in the garage with you on some various projects and, and uh, you know, making it as, as we like to do. All right. Uh, this has been Burn Built Made, and um, thank you for listening. Jer? Cheers, man. Cheers. Thank you all for joining Jeremy and me on that fourth episode, everybody. I'm, uh, I'm not sure about the legality of this sort of uh, audio cutscenes, as it were, but uh, this episode included clips from episode 229 of the Making It podcast called uh, Jimmy Made a Laser Bandsaw, along with audio from Alex Steele's YouTube video titled Make a Hundred of These When You Start. And as always, the bumper music for this episode is courtesy of ZH Fabrications and Ample Tunes. We will catch you on the next one. <laughs>